you would, um, find Acts chapter 15 in your Bible and um, put your marker there and then find Galatians chapter 2. We want to read there at verse 1. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a great blessing it is to gather with your people, um, to hear the songs of the, the faith that encourage our hearts. We just pray that you would teach us from your word tonight. There's so much truth. Uh, and as we look into it, we realize how um, the eternity will not begin to reveal the depth of the riches and the knowledge and the wisdom of this book because it's the mind of God that's infinite. We just pray that we would... Rejoice in these moments when we can gather together and meet with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In our recent studies here in the book of Acts, we've been looking at the timeline that Paul gives from the time of his conversion. And this 14-year period that he mentions here in verse 1, after which he went up to Jerusalem, I believe corresponds to what we read in Acts chapter 15. And if that is the case, then what we have here in Galatians 2 is Paul's Holy Spirit-inspired commentary on the events that took place there. Look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 1, if you will. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now when we began these studies earlier this year, uh, I think actually the first one was in January. Uh, so I don't really know where this year has gone, but it has gone. Um, we noted that Galatia was not a city like Ephesus or Philippi. It was a uh, Roman province in, in Western Asia. And there were a number of churches in this province. Paul refers to the churches of Galatia in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we see that same language in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia. And we uh, read about those churches of Galatia in Acts chapter 14. It's right across the page there. In verse 1, we read about Iconium. In verse 6, we read about uh, Lystra and Derbe, mentions as cities of Lyconia. In verse 19, we read about Antioch. All of these places were part of this province of Galatia. 
Now look at chapter 14 and verse 25. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia and thence sailed to Antioch. Verse 28, And there they abode long time with the disciples. So the last place that is mentioned in chapter 14 is Antioch. And Paul and Barnabas abode long time there. And then we come to chapter 15 and verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea. Well, where did they come down to? Where did they come down to? Well, the implication is that they came down to Antioch. They came down to Galatia. And it's there that they taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now again, it would seem that this ties into Galatians chapter 1. If you'll uh, look there for just a minute. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I marvel, Paul says to the Galatians, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that troubled you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Beside verses 6 and 7 here in Galatians chapter 1, I believe you can write Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. This other gospel and those that troubled the churches of Galatia are identified Back in chapter 15 and verse 1, those that troubled the churches of Galatia were these certain men which came down from Judea and the other gospel that they preached, which Paul says is not another, is except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And this is why Paul in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, if you, if you want to flip over there, it's why he says there, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now there's a point here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 15 that I think is worth thinking about. Something that Pastor Kelly said many times in his messages uh, is that Satan is the great imitator of God. He's the great imitator. And we see that here in these certain men which came down from Judea to Antioch. Look back at Acts chapter 11 for just a minute, just a couple of pages back. But in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 22, the Spirit of God shows us how He builds a church. Look at verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. 
And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So the Lord sends Barnabas to Antioch. And then in verse 25, Paul, uh, or rather Barnabas, leaves Antioch to go and seek Saul. And he finds him in Tarsus and he brings him to Antioch. And then in verse 27, we see that the Lord sent prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And the suggestion of chapter 13 and verse 1 is that the Lord sent more prophets and He sent teachers to Antioch. So the Lord built the church at Antioch by sending Barnabas and Saul and prophets and teachers. God builds churches by sending in His people. So what does the great imitator do? How does Satan seek to do the opposite? How does he seek to tear down a church? The same way. By sending in His people. That's what Satan is doing back in chapter 15. He's sending in these um, Judaizers is what... Uh, you'll find uh, them called these Judaizers who were of the sect of the Pharisees. We see that in verse 5. Who taught this other gospel that you had to be circumcised to be saved. And, and this attack had some level of success because you remember that Paul says to the Galatians, in chapter 1 and verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed, so soon fallen away, that's what the word removed means, from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So this, these uh, people who were sent in by the serpent sent in by the devil to tear down the church, they did have some success because Paul says he marveled that these folks in Galatia were so soon removed. But Paul and Barnabas fight back. They stand for the truth. These, these false teachers come down and they don't give ground. Look at verse 2. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. Don't you love the way the Spirit of God writes? <laughs> he says there was no small dissension and disputation. That's his way of telling us that there was a big dissension and disputation. There was a big disagreement that resulted in a big discussion and debate. A mutual questioning. That's one of the meanings of this word disputation. And that's what a debate is. It's a mutual questioning of each side with the other. With each answering and stating their point. Was it heated? Yes. Was it physical? No. But it was heated. That's what the word dissension suggests. 
And when the issue between salvation by works and salvation by grace through faith was not settled there in Antioch, we see there in the middle of verse 2, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now, look at Acts chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2. Well, before we do that, let's read verse 3 here in, in uh, Acts chapter 15, I'm sorry. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Now verse 4 here seems to go with what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. Now, now you can turn there to Galatians chapter 2 and, and verse 2. Paul says, And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. The private communication that Paul had to them which were of reputation would have been with the apostles and elders, as we just read back in Acts chapter 15 and verse 4. Now, look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 15. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Not only did these Pharisees believe that, they practiced it. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now, there's several things that we want to consider here. The first one is the difference in language that we have between these two passages. Luke says in Acts chapter 15 and verse 4 that there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. But Paul says here in verse 4 that these were false brethren, unawares brought in. So why the difference in the language? 
I believe the Spirit of God wants to make a point about something that Mr. Creech talks about often. And that's the problem of the false profession. Turn back for just a minute to John's Gospel, chapter 2, if you will. John chapter 2. And look at verse 23. Now when He, that is the Lord Jesus, now when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in His name when they saw the miracles which He did. But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. The language here in verse 23 is important to notice. When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. Now that sounds good on the surface. We would probably call those people believers. But notice the next words. Many believed in His name when they saw the miracles which He did. These are unbelieving believers. Pastor Kelly preached a message by that title. If it's on Sermon Audio, you ought to look it up and listen to it. These believers believed in Jesus, the miracle worker. They were drawn by an outpouring, by a demonstration of the power of God manifest in the flesh. They were not drawn, they did not believe in Jesus the Savior. And the Spirit of God tells us plainly here that these were false brethren. Look at verse 24 again. But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them, because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. The word commit in verse 24 is the same word translated believed in verse 23. Many believed in his name, but Jesus did not commit. Jesus did not believe in them because he knew what was in man. The Word of God, living and written, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, after describing our hearts as deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, the Lord asked this question, Who can know it? And the answer in verse 10, I, the Lord, Search the heart. First Samuel 16 and verse 7, there in that chapter, God told Samuel, Samuel, remember, was sent to anoint a king. And he was looking through Jesse's children and he kept looking at the oldest and the tallest and the biggest. He came to the last one and hadn't seen him, hadn't seen the king yet. The Lord said, I haven't chosen any of them. 
And he told Samuel, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. The outward appearance to men in John 2.23 was that many believed on His name. But the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And when the Lord looked on the heart of this many who believed on His name, He didn't believe in them because He knew their heart. They had a false profession. They were false brethren. They were drawn to Jesus the miracle worker, not Jesus the Savior. Drawn by a demonstration of the power of God. You know, the same thing happened when the children of Israel left Egypt. We read in Exodus chapter 12. We were looking at that chapter Wednesday night. The chapter when the children of Israel left Egypt by the power of the blood of the Lamb. And we read in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 38, And a mixed multitude went up also with them. This mixed multitude had been drawn to leave Egypt, not by the Passover, not because they had eaten the unleavened bread, not because they had taken a bunch of hyssop and dipped it in the blood that was in the basin and struck the lintel and the two side posts with that blood. Now this mixed multitude left Egypt because they were drawn by the demonstration of the power of God. They had seen the miracles of the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. And so they believed if you will, in Christ the miracle worker, not Christ our Passover who is sacrificed for us. The mixed multitude were false brethren, unawares brought in, who came to spy out the liberty of the children of Israel which they had in the Lord that they might bring them into bondage back into the bondage of Egypt. Now, if you like, if you want to just say where you are, you can, but if you like, look back at Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, and and look at verse 4. And the mixed multitude, here they are again, that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Verse 5. We remember, what do they remember? Egypt. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that brought you out of Egypt unto another gospel, which is not another. 
But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Now, the effect, the effect of this, of the lusting of this mixed multitude was to bring the children of Israel back into the bondage of Egypt in their minds. They didn't physically go back, but they went there in their minds. And if you go back in your mind, you're there. You're there. We remember in their minds the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics. The effect was to bring the children of Israel back into bondage. They were so soon removed from Him that brought them out of the land of Egypt. And the, the, the people that went lusting, the people that created this desire in their hearts to bring them back into bondage was this mixed multitude. These are the scriptures that explain the difference, I believe, in the language between Acts 15.5 where these Pharisees are called they which believed and Galatians 2.4 where Paul calls them false brethren. These Pharisees, I believe, had been drawn by the manifestation of the power of God. Think about what they had seen. They saw the miracle of the day of Pentecost. Hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem gathered for that feast, hearing the preaching of the Word of God in their own language. That's a manifestation of the power of God. And 3,000 people got saved. These Pharisees had been drawn by the miracle of the healing of the lame man by Peter and John going up to the temple. And they, um, they healed this man. And then seeing possibly 5,000 people saved as God spoke through Peter's second sermon. These Pharisees had seen the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira exposed by a miracle of God as God revealed to Peter what they had done. And God struck them dead. They had seen many signs and wonders wrought by the hands of the apostles. And believers, the more added to the Lord. These Pharisees had seen what we read in, in Acts chapter 5. If you want to, we've got to go back that way anyway, but if you want to look at, at Acts chapter 5, in verse 15, these Pharisees had seen in so much, well, let's read verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, in so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. 
They saw as there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Think about that. This is what these Pharisees were drawn to. They were drawn to the demonstration of the power of God. They were drawn to Jesus, the miracle worker, if you will. Not Jesus, the Savior. This is why Paul calls them false brethren. False brethren teach a false gospel. A false gospel that says, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses... You cannot be saved. And the Spirit of God uses this, this difference in language between Acts 15 and verse 5 and Galatians 2 and verse 4 to teach us about unbelieving believers. To teach us about the danger of the false profession so that we can examine ourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. And that brings us to a question. Have you been drawn by the demonstration of the power of God to Jesus the miracle worker? I was thinking about this church. This church is a demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker. For nearly 59 years, be 59 years in January, I believe, the demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker, has been manifested by keeping this church on the foundation of truth. Brother Vernon mentions in his prayers. Calvary Christian School is the demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker. The court case against the state of North Carolina and all the resources of the state of North Carolina to fight against the overreach of the state That's a a, a demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker. There's the miracle of the Christian bookstore. That place should not exist. Bookstores that, that don't have anything but King James Bibles in them. Bookstores that don't... Now, they do sell fudge. But but you look around at bookstores. Go in some of them. You won't find many King James Bibles in them. The Christian bookstore is a demonstration of the power of Jesus the miracle worker. It's in business. Right up in downtown Southern Pines. There's the miracle of the choir. I think they're a miracle. A group of people, they're not trained, professional uh, singers, but they sound like it. They sound like it. 
the blessing they, that they are. It's a demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker. There's the miracle of the political influence of this church that's been going forth for many years. And it continues to go forth through Brother Dwight. Brother Dwight won't tell you this, but I'll tell you this. He was very, very instrumental in starting Return America. That's a demonstration of the power of Jesus, the miracle worker. All these things are a demonstration of His power. And the question is, have you been drawn by the demonstration of the power of God to Jesus the miracle worker, or have you been drawn to Jesus the Savior? Jesus the Savior. Have you trusted Jesus the Savior? Are you part of the mixed multitude? Or are you part of the people of God? Let's go back to Galatians chapter 2. Because there's something else that we want to see here. Look again at verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren brought in, unawares brought in. These Pharisees, these false brethren, as we said a minute ago, they practiced what they preached. They preached, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And they practiced that. Because when Paul comes to Jerusalem and he brings this Greek, Titus, immediately these Pharisees, these false brethren, tried to compel Titus to be circumcised. Titus, as someone has said, was the test case. Titus is where these people were going to make their stand. He was the test case between these two diametrically opposed sides. Law, salvation by works, and salvation by grace through faith apart from any works. These two diametrically opposed things are meeting head to head in Jerusalem over Titus. Does he have to be circumcised to be saved? Or has he been saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the issue. And so Paul says in verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul stood firm on the gospel of Christ against all of the pressure of this moment. The pressure of that moment to compromise. Paul could not, he would not surrender the truth. And the Lord gave victory here over the Judaizers. And Paul tells us something here that we do not want to miss. He tells us what's at stake here. Look at verse 5. 
to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. The truth of the gospel is what's at stake here. It's so easy to read these verses and, and uh, well, I should say, it's something I hadn't picked up on before. It's what's at stake here. If Paul had agreed for Titus to be circumcised, and perhaps there were some, you know, who were saying, oh, come on, Paul. Is it really that big of a deal? Can't you agree on this? It's just one Gentile. Can't you do this in the name of unity? If Paul had compelled Titus to be circumcised, the truth of the gospel that salvation is by grace through faith apart from any works of the flesh. Look at chapter 2 and verse 16. Paul says, Therefore by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That truth of the gospel could not continue. How could Paul ever preach that again if he had given in and circumcised Titus? This is the, the dissension and the disputation that was taking place. A critical moment. A critical moment. That's why Paul said at the end of verse 2, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. If he had given in and circumcised Titus, then he would have been, what he had done, what how he had run up to that point would have been in vain. And, and, and these are critical verses for us here in the last days. Because the Apostle Paul is the pattern. We have to remember that all through this study. The Apostle Paul is the pattern that in him first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. When this church is faced with compromise, listen to me, you younger men. When this church is faced with compromise on your watch, and your watch will be here before you know it if the Lord doesn't come back. And the mixed multitude comes and says, Come on! Is it really that big a deal? Can't you agree on this? It's just this one little point. It's just this one little song that has a beat to it. It's just this one speaker that comes in and he, he's such a tremendous speaker. And yeah, he reads out of another version. Can't you just do this in the name of unity? Remember our pattern. The Apostle Paul, a man who understood that compromise in the name of unity is sin. And he wouldn't do it. That's why he's our pattern. That's why the, the Spirit of God had him write that verse in 1 Timothy 1.16. He's our pattern. And we need to stand on Galatians chapter 2 and verse 5. 
to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we pray that that You would, by Your Spirit, take the words that have been spoken tonight and make them a message to our hearts. To the young men who are coming along, the younger men who one day will be on the wall as the watchman. We pray that you would use these things to speak to them, to prepare them for that day. To stand that the truth of the gospel not be compromised. That it might continue in this place. We pray that we would examine ourselves before you tonight. If there's anyone here who's never trusted you as their Savior, as they look into their heart, they may have believed on Jesus the miracle worker, but they've never trusted Jesus the Savior. We pray that right now, right where they are, they would surrender their hearts to you. They would turn to you in repentance and faith and trust you and you alone to be their Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.